All, that's what makes all those years in seminary worth it. <laughs> really does. Our first scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of Proverbs, chapter 30, verses 15 and 16. <clears throat> Listen to God's word. The leech has two daughters. Give, give, they cry. Three things are never satisfied. Four things never say enough. Sheol, the barren womb, the earth ever thirsty for water, and the fire. They never say enough. And our second scripture reading is from the first letter of Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Listen again to what God has to say. Of course there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. I have to tell you, Mike, I'm glad you brought up Edie. Edie Beale was, uh, where I come from, we would call her a character. You never know quite what that means, but it also tells you that when you meet a character, you don't know quite what you're going to get. And Edie was a lot of fun. Every, day, every Sunday when I came down the aisle, I would have to stop and show her my fingernails. And she would look at them and go, that one's a little dirty. <laughs> and I'd come on up. I have a picture of Edie Beale at 92 sitting on the back of a Harley. It is so cool. It is wonderful. But I have to tell you my favorite Edie Beale story right quick. I went to see her when she lived right down here. And she looked a little like she's a little off. I said, how are you doing today, Edie? And she said, well... I've been better. Why? What's wrong? I have to go to the beautiful shop today. And I said, well, what's bad about going to the beautiful shop? She said, I'm afraid they might have to keep me overnight. <laughs> and she would always say stuff like that with a straight face. You never knew if she was kidding or not. Miss her to death. There's a little known fact that a lot of people don't understand around here about why, if there was so much gold and silver in this part of the country, why weren't the Apaches, who were here first, why weren't they rich? Why didn't they have all that gold and silver and put it to use? They could have, but they had an interesting concept. If gold or silver or anything like that was laying out on the ground, they would pick it up, no problem. 
But if it was in the ground, they wouldn't dig for it because that, if it was in the ground, God didn't want them to have it. And they wouldn't go digging up what God didn't want them to have. Pretty smart. And they couldn't understand why white people would lose their minds and dig in the ground like dogs to get it. Didn't make sense to them. God didn't want white people to have it anyway. Didn't want us to have it. Didn't want anybody to have it. It's buried. Ergo, they assumed white people must be crazy. That's another sermon. But it's a good one. Proverbs is telling us this morning there, there are four things in life that we'll never say, enough. We're done. One is Sheol, the place where dead people go. You may not have known this, but in Hebrew uh, theology at the time, there was no heaven. There was no hell. When you died, you went to Sheol and hung around. The end. Sheol could never get full. It would just keep drawing souls into it and would never say, okay, we're full, we got enough. No. Also, the barren womb would never say, I've had enough because it couldn't have any. So think when you're thinking about uh, Sarah and Rachel and Hannah, Samson's mom, when you're thinking about these ladies who were barren, their wombs would never say enough because they didn't get used. And of course, given the time period all that happened, it was obviously the fault of Rachel, Sarah, and Hannah because only women could fail to produce offspring. The earth never says enough. It always needs more water. It needs to have constant cycles rolling all the time. And there are going to be cycles of drought and flood, not because Anybody wants something bad like a drought to happen, but because they have to happen, that's how things work. And I wonder about all the people who live in Las Vegas and worry about the fact that the water's running out. And I think about, well, look where you built a city. It's the desert. The mob took that place because nobody else wanted it. There was a reason for that. Anything in the whole world that never says enough is unnatural. It's not the way it should be. But Timothy is talking to us more specifically about human desire for more. And he's saying something very clear that we often forget. That constant desire for more is mentally ill. It's mental illness. Stay with me. It, it raises up sen uh, senseless and harmful desires. If it's too much, if we think we can never have enough, 
what will we not do to get it? Well, we can look around and probably come up with examples of what it does. It can plunge us, according to this author, into ruin and destruction. Maybe not the ruin of our personal finances or our, our personal living space, but the ruin of our souls. We can lose track of who God wants us to be when we're serving that particular bit of mammon. They pierced themselves with many pains. Not the world is, is tough on them. They cause it themselves. By looking around and thinking they don't have enough, they try to draw more and more in and their spirits begin to crumble. You know what we call people who cut on themselves? And that, that's a real, I was a psychologist, I dealt with it before. Self-harm. Sort of. We call them mentally ill. But yes, you're on, yes, you just weren't going to the same place I was. Do you know what we call people who poison or crush or for any, in any way kill their children because God told them to? Mentally ill. What about people who eat a good really good meal, and then go in the bathroom and puke it up on purpose. Mentally ill. Think about this. Think about all the toys that you ever wanted when you were a child and the ones you got. Where are they now? You don't know? You wanted those. You probably begged Santa to bring them to you. But it's the same for all of us. Where are they? Don't know. I know when I think of the toys that I had, now my first thought is, they'd be worth a lot of money now. <laughs> wow, what I could sell them for. Not, I'd like to play with them again. Don't look under the bed in the guest room, that's where I keep all my Legos. And I do play with those. But we don't say I want to play with them again because they were fun. Yeah. And that's a mental illness. After World War II, Japan obviously had to rebuild along with a lot of other countries. They got a lot of help from us. And over the course of the decades, they've been very successful. They did a good job with it. And now we're over 70 years into the future and they're still doing well. And that means Japan is doing well. But let's talk about the Japanese people. A problem has arisen in their culture that they call karoshi. And that means death by work. And they now have a charity to support the families of those who have died by work. As an example, there's a man named Uchino who worked for Toyota. I saw this in a, a documentary about the whole problem. He worked for Toyota and part of their mantra was eliminate waste. Well, if you've got 
people doing redundant jobs, that's wasteful, so you get rid of some of them. In fact, you can get rid of a whole lot of them if the ones you keep have to work 70, 80 hours a week. You can eliminate a lot of redundancies in the workforce. And that's what Uchino's wife took the umbrage with. She said, they've gone way too far. And the reason she said that, she showed some home movies of her husband getting home from work. And he was always quiet and distant and exhausted. She had film of him coming home from work early one day and her three-year-old daughter was still up and she didn't know who he was. He was gone before she got up. He was home after she went to bed. She didn't know who her dad was. And for vacation, Toyota, for vacation they sent him to help with another plant that was having trouble. It was vacation because he could take his family with him and they would, and the company would pay for the hotel for his family while he worked. Nice vacation. And one day while they were on vacation, he was on the phone with his supervisor and dropped dead. At 29, they could not find a cause for it. There was no discernible cause. The guy just stopped. And any society that works people to death is mentally ill. Any society that focuses solely on the gross national product is mentally ill. It's unbalanced. We have a good community in this village, true? Absolutely. And we have a good community in New Mexico. But our primary focus, if you listen closely, has always been we need to draw in more business. We need more business in New Mexico. I come from a town that did that and got more business, and now when I go home to visit, it's not a good place to be. It stinks, it's too big. It's too loud. We focus on building that tax base and being business friendly, and there's nothing wrong with that, except that word focus. If that's all we focus on, we're in trouble. We're mentally ill. As a country, I think we're a little bit mentally ill in that regard, because that seems to be what drives us. But what if instead of focusing solely on gross national product, we focused also on gross national happiness? Please don't get mad. <laughs> I am a capitalist. But what if we focused on creating a community here in Ruidoso where the pursuit of happiness was easier? What kind of a community would it be then? I'm not saying, you know, make everybody happy. You can't do that. But I am saying, what if it was just easier to be happy in our community? If that really worked, I have a feeling a ton of people would come here just to be happy. 
My gosh, those people are happy. What if our community had all the ingredients for happiness as well as financial success? What if we took both of them into account? We focused before in our youth program here on what happiness, how do you define happiness? What does that mean to you? How do you define a good life? If, I, if you were going to say, I have a good life, describe it. What would that look like? Because if you don't know what it would look like, you can't get there. What does a good life mean? Robert Kennedy said one time, gross national product measures everything except that which makes life worthwhile. Think about that. Think about today's scriptures. Because I guarantee you over time we're going to come back to them. Let's think about our gross domestic happiness too. Amen.